Hey, welcome to Freedom Decoded. I'm Demir. This is Carrie. We ditched the nine to five, moved abroad, and created a life that was better than we ever could have imagined. Today, we help other people get organized, get their life back so they can create the freedom that they really want in their life. You can check us out at winningtheweek.com, and our new book is out. Winning the Week, it's a bestseller. Check it out on Amazon. But this podcast is our chance to sort of let our hair down and give you a peek behind the curtain at what Demir and I are currently thinking about. And today we have an exciting topic. We're going to be talking about how to plan and execute a workcation, which uh, as this podcast goes live, we will actually be on a workcation. So it's very timely and relevant. We'll probably film some podcasts from Italy, I think. Hopefully, yeah. yeah. So let me back up and, and let's just assume somebody is hearing the word workcation and drawing a complete right, blank. Like, what is this? Like, what the heck is workcation? So a workcation is a third category. So if there's two categories in your mind, there's working and there's on vacation, workcation is a new hybrid category that has become possible with remote working and logging in from anywhere. And it is just what it sounds like. You are neither completely working nor completely on vacation, you are a hybrid of both. Um, we're gonna talk about a lot of these, the advantages of this, but they're pretty obvious. Um, it means that you can, you know, a, a lot of times extend your vacation so much longer than you could have before. So instead of taking a week and a half in Italy, you could take a week and a half off and extend another two weeks in Italy in a workcation mode, meaning you're sort of uh, on downshifted, maybe summer hours, you're logging in, you're attending meetings, but you're also logging off at a certain point and going and enjoying Italy. And so that, it, my friends, is the concept of workcation. Uh, you know, we're very bullish on this. Yeah, and what I love most about it is that it's a true win-win situation. You're not, you're winning and your employer is winning. Yep. Or if you're running out your own business, then your business will still be winning. So you're gonna be able to feel more relaxed, more rested and recharged and just stimulated because you're in this new environment. And um, from our experience, your productivity actually goes up. So dramatically, so. that helps your employer and your business. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and not to mention, you know, a lot of times we talk about this push pull between productivity and worker happiness, when really all the studies show that the happier your workers are, they are almost universally more productive. Right. So this really becomes a false choice. And whenever I see this where they're saying, oh, people are getting lazy. No, when you have happier workers, you have more productive workers, especially when it comes to knowledge work. Right. B more rested, more happy workers equals more productive. And maybe someday we'll come onto the other side of that curve and people will get too lazy and we'll become like, you know, everybody it would be like working in Paris 35 hours a week. But right now, that is not the case. Well, we but, are... but also, I think people think, oh, well, if my worker was happy, then they wouldn't be working at all. It's like, that's not true. We're, not I mean, true. People like to work. I mean, you and I love to work. It gives us so much personal satisfaction. So we would actually be more unhappy if we were told we could not work <laughs> or or we're, we're trying to truly take a full vacation. We get bored. Yeah. And, and remember, the way that we think about this is that this is really us playing a lot of catch up. For many years, we've had corporations come to us and ask us to advise them. They don't like what we say, you know, because they come and say to us, why are all of our workers leaving us yeah. to become small-time entrepreneurs? Don't they know it's harder? Don't they know that nine There's out of 10 businesses and, fail, yeah. right? Why would they possibly go into that meat grinder when we've got such a comfortable situation here and they just can collect a paycheck? And I often say, Flip that over. You should be asking yourself, 
Why are they so eager to leave you to jump into a buzzsaw? Like, what is it that's so terrible about working for you that makes them still want to go into something that has a nine in 10 chance of failing? <laughs> that, that is in so many ways harder. It's because you're so inflexible and the quality of life is so brutal right. in the corporate world. So I don't see this as some like new massive giveaway. I see it as a little bit of just a rebalancing of the scales yep. and a catch up to where we should be in terms of the work-life balance that really got, you know, out of whack. Yeah, and I think one thing is over the last few years is employers have become much more flexible with their workers being remote. And so we've had a lot of success with clients asking for these workation times and and being able to get them. I mean, we had one family that actually moved to Colombia for a whole six months yep. and took a workation here in, in, our, in our city, Medellin. Um, because the the husband's employer was flexible with that. So it's definitely possible. And he works for like a big five firm. Um, so it's happening. This is yeah. the time to ask for it if you want it. <laughs> yeah. So so why, why take a workcation? So for somebody who doesn't currently have this category in their mind, maybe is even a little bit dubious. We'll talk later about how to, how to negotiate a workcation. But let's just start with why would you even want to? Maybe there's somebody out there saying like, oh, that sounds gross. I'm getting the worst of both worlds. I'm not right. I'm not off, you know, and really relaxing, but I'm also not on. It just sounds gross. What right. would you say to that person? I, I would say when you're able to take a longer period in a new country or a new place, you're actually able to see what life is like there. Mm. You actually have to like live a local life. When you're just going somewhere for a weekend, I mean, your schedule is crammed and you got to see these 10 museums and these five monuments. And then you get back on the plane and you come back home and you're even more exhausted than when you left. That's so work, Yeah. Workcation is where the pace slows down dramatically. You're going to get yourself an Airbnb. You're not going to be in a hotel because you're going to want to actually spread out and like have space. Um, you're going to live more like a local. You're going to shop at local grocery stores. It's just a completely different experience of travel and one that we find to be much more rewarding. Yeah, I, I can't underline this enough. There's something hectic about the old model of travel, especially if you're in North America where you only get off maybe two weeks a year and you go traveling to Europe and you're trying to see everything and you actually come back from those vacations and you're way more stressed and way more tired. I often hear my clients say, I need a vacation from my vacation. That was way too stressful and hectic. And there's something about workcation that can be a bit of an extender. And I often say this to my clients, don't think about it as either or, take a workcation along with a vacation. Mm -hmm. So go to Italy, rent a place on Airbnb for the full month, get the month discount. Ooh, those juicy, juicy month long <laughs> discounts on Airbnb are nothing to be, Ooh, you know, they are significant. They are significant. Get yourself a nice Airbnb for the month. Take two weeks of vacation at the end of a two week staycation. So you go there, you get yourself settled, you, you know, continue working for two weeks while you're sort of you know, letting the kids get settled in, adjust to the time zone change. And then right when you have your bearings and you really understand where things are and what you want to do, boom, you've got two weeks of vacation and you can really enjoy that vacation. You can really sink into it and get restoration and relaxation. And so the number one thing I would argue is this takes vacations to the next level. It's not a replacement for vacation. I think about it often as an extender. But let's talk also about maybe some practical things. Yeah. 
we're talking about vacation as like enjoyment, but let's be honest, a lot of people have to take vacation time to deal with family emergencies, mm -hmm. health emergencies. So how can it affect that too? You know, how can workcation become a tool to deal with maybe just the slings and arrows of life? Yeah, because I mean, yeah, maybe you have like an ailing family member you need to take care of, or you have to have some medical procedure done. Um, I mean, for for me, what I would do in those situations is ask myself, "Hey, where can I get really great healthcare? That's also a really great vacation spot." Um, and what's interesting about that for a lot of people who live in North America, this is a very strange concept. To uh, medical tourism is yeah. sort of like this weird edge thing, um, but for us, having traveled so much, now we're like, oh. For if we had to like to get any kind of normal medical procedure done, we would not do it in the U.S. Um, because yeah, we shop for the best place, yeah. and it's different based on what you're looking for. Right, and but there's so many options. I mean, Thailand, Mexico, South here, Africa South actually Afri has incredible dental care. I mean, Colombia here has been amazing for our healthcare. Um, so I would ask, hey, where do I want to chill out and spend a lot of time? Um, we actually had to ask ourselves that when our first child was was going to be born and we actually weren't sure if we were going to be able to get a visa to stay in Colombia. So we were already shopping for other countries. We're like, where do we want to live? Well, we have this child. Um, and that's very common amongst expats to to be looking out for those different locations. And so they, they can enjoy that experience. Yeah. And just to put a bow on this, I've even had clients just escape bad weather. Too hot? Go somewhere cooler. Too cold? Go somewhere warmer for a month. You know, there's what's great about it is when you really start thinking about this tool, of workation, you realize that it adds a, it's not just X and Y dimension. You don't just get a little bit more of the things you had before. We're talking about a whole new Z dimension of possibilities. Yeah. So, um, Carrie, who would you say that this is really good for, should really be thinking about this versus maybe who it's not as good for yeah, or even yeah. bad for? Because obviously not everybody has jobs where this is going to be really easy or possible. I would say it's really good for knowledge workers and professionals that work from computers yep. and laptops, um, right? So a lot of that work, like even if right now you feel like you're taking a lot of phone calls and you need to be in a particular time zone, um, a lot of that work you can find can be renegotiated um, if you are choosing to go to a totally different time zone, for example. I would say it's very bad for service providers. Yeah. Um, obviously, if you're a service provider that needs to be in a physical location like providing. A yes, a, a masseuse or something like doctor. that. Um, even doctors, though, I, I know some of my doctors here in Columbia, they're, they're big on vacations here in Columbia. They will um, offer virtual appointments even during their extended vacation yeah, times. Yeah. Like they and we even know a, a veterinarian. Yep. And she, you know, you would think, oh, no, the animals have to be brought in. And she said, no, you know, I can just look at them. And she's from Canada. So that's an example from Canada. So, so yeah, even for some service providers, there is some flexibility there, yeah. maybe for a slightly shorter period of time. Um, but, you know, if you're a hardcore service provider, and you got to be somewhere at a set time. I mean, yeah. there's just nothing Nobody's to do about that. Nobody's going to pay you for a virtual massage. Nope. That's got to that's got to happen in person. Yeah, or a virtual teeth cleaning. <laughs> right. You got to get the teeth cleaned. Right. Um, okay. So let's talk about how to set the stage for your very first workation. And I think the most important thing is to open up the conversation and start the negotiation with. Now, I, I was going to say my, your boss, but the truth is is whoever is on your counterparty is. Yeah. That could be a boss, it could be your your main client, if you're a contractor, it could be your coworkers, you know, a, a business partner. So whoever your counterparty is that you need to negotiate with, open that conversation at the right time in the right way. And I, I think a key thing here is start small, 
right? Start with a very easy to grant ask and maybe even start with a catalyst. So for example, um, often your first workation could really work well if you were saying, hey, I need to go to my mother's house and look after her for a week. Right. right? You know, th these are the kinds of things that's very hard for people to say no to. They, they want to say yes, right? They want to help you out. But then once you've gotten your, that foot in the door, you've already proven, hey, it worked for a week. There were no problems. All the business got done. It becomes increasingly easy for you to say, well, I'm going to go to Florida for a week instead of going to my mom's to help her. Yeah. Yeah, and you want to make sure that during that one-week period, you really knock it out of the park at your job. You do not want any disasters to happen where people can't get a hold of you or you messed up something and now the client's unhappy. Like, you really want to make that week a, a test week to prove the concept. Yeah, and a lot of people don't get this, this idea of, like, it's okay to, for your first test staycations or, sorry, workcations it's okay for those to be not as enjoyable or even not enjoyable so that you really prove out the case. Because if you have a really big disaster early on the process, you can leave such a mark that the conversation is closed. Even if it's still something that's viable, people could just have such a bad impression. They're just going to say no. Process. Yeah. They're just a knee jerk no from that. Yep. And so you really want to lay some very careful groundwork and make sure that when you have those first couple workations, you just not only do your job, but knock it out of the park. Yes. And before you go, what you're going to want to do is some uh, quite a bit of preparation yes. work, right? Yes. You're not just going to be like, okay, here I am logging off and heading out. Like yeah. you're going to want to sort of put your business analyst hat on and ask I'm yourself about months ahead of time, just to be clear, yeah, not before you go, like a week before you as go. As far as possible. Heck, if you, if you don't even have the workcation planned, this is something you can do <laughs> right yeah. away. Um, sort of put that business analyst hat on and ask yourself, hey, what are the systems and processes that I actually run mm -hmm. in my job? Because we don't get a chance to think about that a lot. We think about the tasks we're doing and the projects. We don't think about the systems. Yeah, we get this um, process blindness, right, where we're when you're in a process long enough, I don't care who you are, you could be the smartest person in the world, but if you've been put in a process and just keep doing something the way you've always been doing it, you become blind to the ways that you could be doing it better or the ways that you could do it completely different or more efficiently or cut out entire parts of the process. You just start to get this, well, this is how we've always done it mentality. And so when we say put your business analyst hat on, what we're really saying is, really fight that blindness and try to step really far away from your current business processes and try to get a third party neutral view of them and say, hey, if we were designing this process from a blank slate, how would we design it? It probably wouldn't be this way. There's a, probably a better way. Yeah, and don't, you know, don't judge it to start with. Like the first step is just sketching out even maybe even a flow chart view if you're a visual thinker and just ask yourself, how is this process running right now? Mm -hmm. And where do I fit into that process? What is my specific role? And, you know, right now, of course, you feel like none of those processes can run without you. I get that. Um, but you just want to take a look at that. Once it's on the page, it's going to be so much easier to identify um, how you could either cut yourself out entirely or instead of making yourself such an integral part of that process, for example, make it so that you are still part of the process, but you don't need like your employees or your coworkers don't need an immediate response from yeah. you. They need a response within say 24 to 48 hours. Build in some more give. That alone, just giving you yourself that insulation is like taking so much pressure off your job because 
if you're in the middle of transit or whatever, you know, like no one needs you yeah. in that moment. And this is where you really want to think about hypothetical scenarios. So remember, I talked about this blindness, this process blindness. One of the things that can break through that blindness is hypothetical scenarios. So hypothetical scenario, you get hit by a car and you've got to go to the hospital and convalesce for a month and you could maybe answer emails once one hour per week. Right. Right. That hypothetical scenario, as bleak as it might seem, is actually a really interesting thought exercise to say, okay, how would my clients still get what they need? How would my team operate without me? And usually what you'll find is there's information in your brain that needs to be put into an SOP or a standard operating procedure so that if you weren't on staff or you weren't there, somebody else could simply jump in on your behalf. You might realize it needs to go the other way. There's information other people on your team have that needs to be put into an SOP. You might even realize, hey, actually, in order to deal with that scenario, we would actually have to completely redesign how we offer our product or service. And that's great. All of those thoughts are, inc are incredibly valuable as you're trying to put your business analyst hat on and say, what is the best process? Because, you know, again, you know, Elon Musk is a bit controversial as a figure this, uh, you know, these days, but one of his sayings I think is just tremendous. He says, the best part is no part. The best process is no process, mm -hmm. meaning let's make it as simple as possible. Let's mm -hmm. cut away all of the extraneous, unnecessary parts and processes so that we can get to the leanest possible version of just doing this thing. Yep, totally. And so then once you've decided on some of those process improvements, or even if you just got you want to sort of like change how you are communicating with your team, mm -hmm. you're going to want to start doing that right away yep. to get everybody used to that, right? So that when you leave, it's not going to feel like a change at all. It'll feel like just yeah. the exact same thing is happening. Plus, you can work out any kinks and Absolutely. problems. Absolutely. So, you know, you really want to start testing and iterating yeah. well before and, and, and even when you're on site. Right. And so that's the important thing is, you know, you want to start, um, you know, the process of creating new workflows is often a political slash interpersonal process. It's not just you unveiling it and saying, hey, everyone, this is a better way. Right. It's you talking to them, negotiating with them, convincing them. Pointing you know, out that maybe we could do it slightly this differently. This is a win-win. Look how you win. Yeah. I mean, it's it takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. Right. Awesome. Right, right. So let's talk about, let's imagine, okay, you've negotiated some space. Mm -hmm. You've maybe even, uh, you know, got a workcation on the horizon, in the distant horizon. How do you start the hardcore planning for your first staycation. Yeah. Sorry, workcation. I keep messing <laughs> that word up. I think that the biggest thing is people are going to be asking themselves, well, what about big projects that I have during that time? Yeah. And for big, really important, super like juicy projects, you're going to want to try to either push those before your workcation and get those like executed and done with then or scheduled for like after your workcation. Yeah. Ideally, yeah. yeah, create a blank space. If you're truly going to have to be working like a maniac when you're on your workcation, it's not really going to be as enjoyable. Like you want it to be sort of like a normal, even keel or maybe even like a slightly lower um, level of work than you mm -hmm. normally do. And so everybody has that. I know even people who are busy, has, they'll yeah. say, no, everything's busy. It's like, come on, let's be realistic. There's, there's always there's higher highs and, and lower lows. Like for us, we just launched this book. So we are scheduling this workation to come literally like a week and a half after the book launch is done. Because yeah. we're like, we don't want to be launching a book when we're trying to also enjoy ourselves. Yeah, like we would... just want to be present and on call for any emergencies that might come up. 
Um, so that that worked really, really well. Yeah. Um, yeah, what so, else? So avoid big projects, yep. try to push them forward or push them back, right? Plan it for a time when you're not facing huge deadlines or assignments and and try to, to get as much work done ahead of time. Now, try to avoid this idea of uh, doing a lot of shallow work and then just having a lot more shallow work to do later. We really want you to be leveraged, meaning I would rather somebody spend two or three months heading into a workcation creating better processes that make life easier, not just for the workation, but even when you come back, a lot of our clients say, wow, the workation was a catalyst for me to just create better processes. And now every day feels easier because I renovated our team's workflow, our team yeah, system. It's going to start feeling easier right away, not even when you're on the workation. Like you're going to get the benefit right away. Um, I'll give you an example. Right now, when as we're preparing for this workation, we're realizing that we need to prep a lot of content in advance because there's YouTube videos that need to come out. Um, there's podcasts. There's blogs. And um, what's great about doing that ahead of time is it's forcing us, because of the sheer volume of content, to improve our content creation process. Yes. So we're finding a way that we're going to be able to turn out a lot more content faster, which obviously we're not going to stop doing once we come back from vacation. It like benefits we're just, us forever. We're yeah. just going to keep doing it that way. But having said that, so that's the important caveat. Um, you know, I had a client, Rob, who stacked up a bunch of work. He he had he wrote reports, and so he actually just sort of worked overtime, stacked up a bunch of reports, and then held on to them. Mm -hmm. And so as he was at his vacation, he was still checking emails and attending a couple meetings, but he would just like dole out some of these reports on a regular basis to make it look like, oh, Rob's still producing. But in truth, he had actually front loaded a lot of that production. And so right. that's something you can do. Again, I prefer you to be doing it leveraged. I prefer it to be an improvement that makes your life permanently easier. But there is a place, a time and a place for just stacking up a little bit of work ahead of time. Totally. I love that so much. So let's talk about, okay, you've, you've, you've negotiated the space and now you're planning your first uh, staycation. What is a shakedown cruise and why should somebody take it before their big workcation? So yeah, this is the first, I think of it as like a trial workcation. A shakedown cruise is something they do on um, like sailboats, apparently, that it's just sort of like they take the, the sailboat around, but close to home, so that if they do find like there's a hole in the boat or something, you know, they're still going to have access to like help and, and support. So before going on like a transatlantic trip, yeah. they'll do a week-long trip near the coast because something's going to break and you want to be close to home. They want to test, make sure they have all the right supplies. They're not missing some crucial rope yeah. or something. So you want to do something similar to that. Is you're pressure testing how this is going to work. And yeah. then it's going to make you feel more calm. And it's going to make your employers and clients feel more calm too. Yeah. And I think a great way to do that, if you've got, say, you know, again, we said start building small. So, you know, if you've got a week that you're going to take off, I don't think you need to do a shakedown cruise before that week. A week is the shakedown cruise. Right, totally. Right, that's that's a that's fine it. amount of time. But if you've got a three or four week staycation, vacation combo coming up, what you might want to do is just conveniently get sick. And I know this seems a little bit disingenuous, but hear me out. Um, there's something nice about you just calling in saying, gang, I've got a terrible flu. I'm going to be out right here in the middle of the week. Um, because it does two things. Number one, two, you know, three days is a great amount of time to see how people operate in your absence, um, you're actually still there in the background and you're probably still even doing work. You're just you know, gating all of your work. You're not sending out emails. You're not sending out any of your work. You can still have 
full work days. In fact, you'll probably find that they're incredibly productive because nobody will be bothering you and you'll get right. a lot of good deep work totally, done. Yeah. But the point being is that it's also taking them by surprise. And I think that that element of surprise is actually really helpful to stress test your systems. Because if everybody is mentally prepared for you not to be there, then th what they really do is they're not doing the work, they're just waiting for the work. Right. Meaning they're like, he'll be back in three days, so I'll just you know hold up and save up all the things I need for him or her mm -hmm. and just drop them on you when you come back. Whereas when you take them by surprise, they really do have to problem solve in the moment. Right, they can't prepare for it. And I think that that element of surprise really forces them forces them to operate without you and, and, and actually helps you see how well they operate. And then take careful notes. You know, if people are freaking out or there's an emergency or a process doesn't work right, those are the leaks in your boat that you need to go back and fix before your real staycation. Yeah, yeah, I would even tweak that. And what I would personally say is, I would say my husband just got sick and he needs me to stay home to take care of him for a couple of days. But don't worry, I'm still going to be working my normal hours because then people under, I want people to be behaving in as normal of a way with me as possible. I don't want them to be giving me any like special treatment. You know what I mean? So I, I would prefer personally if they thought I was taking care of somebody else who was sick. But wouldn't they just email you and just uh, wouldn't all the same requests come to you and they would expect well, you to yes, answer them? But because I've already uh, been tweaking my processes in advance and improving my communication, that should be easier to handle, first okay. of all. Yeah. And um, I actually want them to have the experience of me working remote um, and notice that it's the same. That it's the same. Okay. That there's, no, yeah. there's been no change and they can still get a hold of me just as easily. Um, I will say, actually, really crucially, when you start going on the workation, I would say the, the worst thing people can do is suddenly cut off communication with their team. Yeah. Because there's nothing that's going to make your team and your clients and your boss feel more uncomfortable than if they have not heard from you. So yeah. even those little things like pinging off some emails and just sort of like they're going to get the sense like, yeah, she's on top of it. Yeah, yeah and I want to be I want to be clear. If I wasn't clear, I think there's the shakedown cruise is completely different from your actual it is, workation, yeah. mm -hmm. right? I think you know my assertion, and I, I think there's a there's a valid difference of opinion here. My assertion is that there's actually something good about a two or three day shock to the system because it's so short that you can always come back and and if you're really there in the background, if there is an emergency, you can actually step in. So you're not actually gone; you're just faking being gone. Right. Um, you would never, ever do that in the actual workation. Right. In the actual workation, you want to create the illusion of like, I'm here, I'm around, don't worry, yeah. look at me, I'm picking up responses. Maybe not instantly, but you're getting responses by the end of the day. That, you know, just to make that key distinction so nobody mistakes that. So once you have done that that shakedown cruise and, and you want to kind of wait, you want to give your employer, your clients, like a, some breathing space. You don't want to go on your full workation right away. Um, but once they're sort of comfy with the idea, you can pitch them on that that more like two-week or four-week uh, yeah. workation idea. And this is when it really starts to get fun, right? You've done all this preparation work yeah. and all this planning, and now you get to reap the benefits. So, I mean, in a perfect world, the slower you can ramp up, the better. Right. Right. So, you know, all, everything we've talked about to date, this, the, the more small workations you can take that start to prove out the point of like, don't worry, it's no different. You know, we're working fine. In fact, 
if, if possible, show them that you're working better than ever. Come back to your boss and say, hey, this thing we were never able to get done, when I finally got away from the team and just got, a, I was still around, you guys still had me available, but I would just had a little bit of distance to be able to grind out this big SOP or this big project or this big proposal, right? So ideally, you're not just showing them that it's no different. You could also potentially prove the point that it's additive, that it, that it helps your work. Anyway, yeah. so you've, you've created the longest ramp that you possibly can, but now let's assume that you're ready to go hell for leather and the sky's the limit. What can you do, Carrie? What's yeah, possible? Yeah, I, I think like what you want to be doing is checking off major bucket list items. And because you're going to be doing these workations more than once, you don't have to worry about doing like all your bucket lists in, in one. In fact, you want to try to pick like one location, maybe two, but ideally one, and you're just sort of like there. So maybe it's like a cultural trip where you're taking the whole family to Paris for a month, yes. uh, like we did last year. Or, um, you know, you're going to, do some like fitness hiking thing in Costa Rica yeah. or you're going to do some adventure trip in Thailand. Yeah. Something big and major like that. That's like super bucket listy. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, rock climbing in Thailand, um, biking in Colombia. You know, these are all things that we've seen. Um, we had a we had a client who you know had a SIM card and took a road trip across the turquoise coast in Turkey. They just got a car and just went. And, and, you know, because of the time change between Turkey, what he was able to do is basically they're dr they were always driving in the morning. And then by the afternoon, they would be in a Airbnb or a hotel or hostel. And he would log on with his SIM card and do his hours in the sort of like afternoon. And so these are the kinds of things that become possible. And it's pretty crazy because even in even like on a workation, we had a we had a client go to Tuscany and learn Italian for half the day and then work the other half the right, day. Right. So a lot of stuff becomes possible. Um, and, and the kind of stuff that really often finds falls onto people's wish list. Like, oh, wouldn't it be so great if one day, the kind of stuff you push into your retirement, maybe when I retire, I could. Right. Well, maybe you could do that now. Right, and a lot of people are, yeah. I would say um, that if you do want your work to become fully remote, this is definitely the way to step into that and, yeah. and to get that. I mean, we we are have, um, well, our whole team is remote, but we had one employee, our, our content manager, Harley, who was like legit traveling around the world full time while working for us for several years. Like yeah. she started like this and now, she, now she's not traveling as much. But let me tell you, her productivity has been the same. I've detected no difference. No difference. When she was in Patagonia, when she was in um, Taiwan, like no different from what we, she's doing now. We've also noticed internally when we've been somewhere really cool and we need to get our work done in order to go out and play, it is an incredible sweetener yes. to get good work done fast. And so I'm not surprised at all that we haven't noticed a change in her productivity because there's something about, remember that Taj Mahal time? We, yeah. we, we <clears throat> rented an Airbnb. We were literally in the city with the Taj Mahal. We had to do a, a bunch of things that seemed like a big, it seemed like a work day. Yeah, we were like, work. oh, we got to do all this stuff. And we got it done in three hours. We tag teamed oh, yeah. it like you would never believe because it was like, as soon as you're done with this, you can go see the Taj Mahal. And I'll tell you what, like, there's something great. I mean, 
I think everybody, a lot of people are haunted by the sense of like, God, I, I spent eight hours at work today, but a lot of it is I was working slow. I was dragging my feet. I got I distracted. Doing, I was doing the easy stuff first, yeah, like, skipping the hard know, work. You know, if you had put a gun to my head, I probably could have got my work done in three and a half, four hours today. Right. It's just like, what's the point of getting it done if there's nothing fun? Yeah, to if go I'm just going to be afterwards. sitting at my desk until five, no matter what. So like also productivity hack, you know, when you're when you're waiting to do something fun to get your work done, you get your work done faster. It's just a simple rule of human psychology. Yeah, it's a lot more about energy than it is about time. And that's what's crucial to remember here. In fact, I would not be surprised, like you said, if your employer is like surprised at how much your productivity goes up yeah. when you're on this workation. Yeah. Because you're doing the leveraged work, the deep work, you're doing that first. And then they're going to, that's what they want from you. Like they yeah. might not say they want that. They might say they want you to answer these emails, but what they really want is for you to be driving their business or your business forward. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, let's, let's sort of wrap up. Cause I think we've covered everything. You know, this is going to be huge. Workcations are going to be a thing and they're going to be huge. If you don't, if you want to take a pass on it and watch everybody do it for a couple of years until you finally go, wait a minute. I want to get in on this too, then fine. But I'm telling you, this is going to be a huge quality of life improvement for knowledge workers and people who can remote work. And so, you know, my advice is do not leave, do not miss out on this. This is going to be something that's going to be tremendous for you. Um, and try to use some creativity here, you know, reach back into that playful mindset that maybe you had when you were younger and ask yourself, like, what's my wish list? What's my bucket list? Have I wanted to learn a language? Have I wanted to go certain places, be exposed to certain things? Maybe even just, you know, go hang out with my friends. My, uh, we had a friend who has an extra uh, house, or not an extra house, but like a back house in his property in, in Colorado. And we sort of reached out and we're like, hey, could we come stay with you guys for a month and just hang out and work? And so, you know, connecting with friends at a deeper level, going and taking care of family. I mean, there's so much that becomes possible when you could just take your work with you and do it with you. Right. Yeah, totally. It's going to be it's going to be huge for everyone. I mean, I will say we've even had clients that because their their bosses were so um just hardcore about saying no, to, you know, they really wanted a a workflow to be like in the office all yeah. the time, they've actually taken even just 6 months to change jobs. Yeah. Um, some of them even changed careers, and it's because of this lifestyle benefit. Yeah. It's not just about the workation. It's about how you feel yeah. every day, yep. every week, and having that flexibility um, that's worth so much more than even a raise these days. I don't understand why people are fighting it. One, it's done. This battle is fought. You're you're never going to put, you know— <laughs> You're never going to put the jack in the box again. <laughs> like, it's not going back. The genie's Pandora's, out of the bottle. The yeah. genie is out of the bottle. You're never putting it back in again. But also, you know, it, I think people get really zeroed in on this idea that productivity only happens. It's like a Foucaultian surveillance yeah. model. Like, yeah. people will only work if you really are watching them. Right. And, like, pushing them. And, like, this 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 sort of model of human behavior that you can only get good work from people from a sort of negative pressure, fear-based, anxiety-based, like, environment. And they would never say that. People who are advocates, oh, you know, they, they couch it in all these beautiful words. Like, oh, no, there's just something magical about the office. Well, yeah, for you, dude. Like, there are those, like, 5% of people who the, the work is their life and they're extroverts and they love the office environment. And I get it. For you, there's nothing. Yeah, this is a bad moment for you. I understand that. 
like you're having a bad time and you're sad because you're losing something that for you was really awesome. But the majority of people did not feel that way about The Office, no. right? And so what I would encourage people who are going through this grief, right, the grief of the loss of The Office, is to just recognize when you have happy workers, you have more productivity. Check it. Look it up. Right. Just, you know, like people just sort of absent any proof say, no, 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 you need to have people in the office to have real productivity. Really? Because when you really look at the studies, when you have happy workers, you have better productivity. Yeah. This makes workers very, very happy. Why are you going to stand in front of this freight train? You're going to get flattened. But also, why would you want to? Right. That's my that's my rant. Awesome. All right, folks. Well, thanks so much for listening. Um, this has been all about how to plan and execute a workcation. Drop us a comment with where you would like to go for a workcation, and we will see you on the next podcast. Bye.